Hey, if you're new, we'd love to help you get connected to what the Lord is doing here and how you can most importantly get connected to Christ. So there's a connect card on your seat. Please fill that out. Uh, we have these scripture journals available to you as well. We're starting a series in Ephesians this morning. We're going to be here for several months. So you're going to use this scripture journal to write notes, to dive into the scriptures. Something I say a lot is that man shall not live by sermons alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, the most useful sermon is the one that equips you to go be with God and to know the scriptures. All right. So go ahead and use this. It is our gift to you. Uh, today, the message is called Destined for This. And the question that really plagues the human race is, are we becoming everything we are made to be? Am I fulfilling my destiny? Doesn't this bother you sometimes? It bothers the minds of all humans to say, am I fulfilling my destiny, my purpose? Am I becoming everything that I can be? Am I maximizing my potential? Am I doing what I was put here to do? Am I fulfilling my destiny? This question is innate to every human being to want to live a life that matters and to want to align our life with some huge purpose going on in the world. We all innately know that we are made for something other than just staying alive, that we are made and we have this inner thing that tells us there's something for you to pursue. And sometimes the world around us will call it destiny. Are we fulfilling our destiny? Are we becoming everything that we are made to be? Are the stars aligning in our lives so that we can maximize our existence? This is the question that we all have in the Bible. So wonderful, it gives us some answers to this. God wants you to know how to fulfill your destiny. God wants you to have a clear understanding of how to become everything that you were made to be. But my kids have this little game on an app that we use. It's called the spinny wheel, all right? That's what they call it. I don't know what the app is called, okay? But they call it the spinny wheel. And all it is is the dumb, it's a dumb little game where you have different categories and you spin the thing and you end up getting what you get, you know? So... It has sports teams on it. You hope you get the team that you like. It has what you're going to eat for breakfast on it, and you just play that. It has activities on it, and so they just think it's hilarious. Uh, it has even just yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, and they love asking questions to no one and then hitting the spinny button and finding out if it says yes or no to the question, you know? One of the things they love before bed is, do I have to go to bed? And they hope it lands on no, even though that changes nothing about their life. You know, they are going to bed. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So... Oftentimes, though, this is how we feel about our lives, is our lives is just one big spinny wheel, and we just hope to get the outcome that we desire. Isn't that how you feel so often about life? You're like, well, I'll just push this button, you know, job, spin it, see how that turns out. Maybe that'll help me fulfill my destiny. Maybe that will give me purpose or joy or contentment. I hit this button for this person, and maybe this person, this girlfriend, this boyfriend, this spouse, whatever, would finally be the one. Maybe this is my destiny. Maybe we were soulmates and made for each other, you know? And, and you're spinning that wheel, and you're hoping that turns out, but for so many people, that doesn't turn out that the way that they hope. We feel like so often, our life is just one big spinny wheel, and we're hitting it, and we're trying things, but really, at the end of the day, we just hope it works out. You just hope it works out. Most people, and many of us probably in the room, don't live with any confidence that we can know for sure that we are becoming everything we are supposed to be and that our life isn't sorting out by some random chance around us, nor is it sorting out according to my ability to control it, but there's something far greater at work, something far greater than myself. And so instead of you spinning your life 
and hoping that the wheel lands in the right place, instead of you hoping the stars align and your destiny gets fulfilled, I'd like to give you a more sure thing. I'd like to present to you what the scriptures say about what does it mean to be everything that you were made to be. How do you fulfill your destiny? And so as we look at the book of Ephesians, these are some of the things that we're going to learn. A good summary of Ephesians is that he's trying to teach the people who God is and what God came to do and then who you are and what you exist to do. And the idea here is that we grow up in Ephesians, we mature, there's basics, and then you learn, you learn, you learn, you learn, and you mature into who God wants you to be. We're going to see this kind of principle playing out over and over again. And the idea, okay, this is hypothetical for us as humans. The idea is that the more we grow up, the more clarity we have on who we are. Hypothetically, okay, you know? That's, that's the idea. The more I grow up, the more I'm sure about what I want to do with my life, you know? The more I grow up, the more I secure I am in who I am. You know, the more I grow up, the more I grow into clarity about purpose and mind. And for some of us, this is true. And for some, it is more difficult. But this is the principle that we see throughout the scriptures is that the more I grow up, the more clarity I have about who I am and what I'm supposed to do. So as we mature in Christ, we are supposed to learn more about what does it mean to fulfill my destiny to become everything that I was meant to be. We're going to be looking at that strand all throughout Ephesians from a many perspectives and ways. So go ahead and open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. All right. Use your scripture journal. We're going to look at 14 verses this morning. You could preach a sermon on every verse. I'm not going to do that, but I just want you to know how thick this is, which means I have like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, okay? Sometimes 50 if I'm really into it, all right? But uh, I have a limited amount of time, and there's a lot here, which means you need to take this and you need to go keep reading it, okay? I cannot possibly explain to you or show you everything that's here in these 14 verses. It is all too wonderful, and I have pages and pages and pages and pages of notes, all right? And I can't, if you want, I can send them to you if you would like. I have no problem doing that. But there's just a lot here, and you're gonna miss it if all you do is listen to my sermon, okay? So I hope my sermon helps you, but please, please, go study the book. Okay, use this, ask questions, find a Christian friend to help you, ask me, find a pastor, find a leader, we will help you, okay, read the Bible. There's so much more here than I can explain, and I want you to get all the goodness out of it that you can, all right? So, once again, man shall not live by sermons alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Ephesians chapter 1, let's do this, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I mean, every sentence, please just take it, just let it sit with you. It's amazing. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, 
so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen, 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 amen. Uh, that's one of the reasons I kept saying, uh, your heart, you just, I hope your heart is filled with gratitude. I am, maybe because of studying this more this week, uh, hyper aware of my need for Jesus. And very thankful that he would be kind to me. That's what I hope is true for you. So to give you a quick intro of the book, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul. It says in the beginning who wrote it, Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church in Ephesus. That's why the book is called Ephesians. Around AD 62, while he's stuck in Roman imprisonment. If you read Acts chapter 18 through 19, you can see more about how the ministry in Ephesus began, which was about 10 years prior to when Paul is writing this book. All right, so that's the general thing of what's going on. They've been around for 10 years or so. He's writing to them to help them mature in the faith and to help them continue to grow and to remind them who God is, what God has done, and who they are and what they're supposed to do. In light of all that, I just wanna show you three things this morning about your destiny, about what does it mean to grow into who you are supposed to be. And I'm gonna use this little phrase for destiny. I'm calling it everything you are meant to be, all right? That is not the Webster's Dictionary, I looked it up. But this is what I'm using it as, okay? Destiny, and that's the common language word of it, all right? That's how you use it in talk, is everything that I am meant to be. Am I becoming everything I am meant to be? The three things I wanna show you this morning about your destiny are location, application, and reason. We're gonna work through these one by one, all right? The first Location. What is the location for my destiny? Okay, that's the first, you know, where am I supposed to end up? Where am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to know? What's the location for my blessing? What's the location for my peace? What's the location? That's that's the way you try. This is why you take a vacation to get to a location that can hopefully change how you're feeling. It's about location, all right? Every real estate agent knows this, all right? It's location, 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 right? doesn't matter how nice the house is. If it's right on the interstate, all right, it's not going to work. Everything is about location, right? Your whole life is about location. It's about where are you and how do you get to the place that you want and are supposed to be? If I'm not fulfilling my destiny, the reason for that, you feel the reason you feel that is because you're not in the right location. So whether you feel like you're not in the right relationship or not in the right job or not in the right situation, or you don't have the right circumstances, most of our life is determined by our location. And our destiny, and what we think about it, is about how do we get to where we are supposed to be? That's what we're thinking. Well, how do we get to this, the end goal of this adventure that we are on? How do we get there? What is the location? And here's something I want you to understand we're going to see from this text. Listen to me. Everything you are meant to be is actually not found in you, but in God. Your destiny. Everything you are meant to be. Maximizing your potential. Living according to the reason of your existence. Everything you are meant to be is not found in you, but in God. And hear me when I say, if you keep looking for the location of your destiny, purpose, joy, potential in yourself, you will never find it. You'll never find it. That's why follow your heart is one of the most evil things you could ever say to anyone. Because you're just saying, follow all your problems. Follow all your insecurities. Follow all your lack of wisdom. And get to the wrong place every time. If people follow their heart, they get to the wrong place. 
every time. Everything you are meant to be is not found in you. That's not the place to look. You don't look inside of yourself to find yourself. You don't look inside of yourself to determine who you are. You don't look inside of yourself or your feelings to determine what you are supposed to live according to. Remember, this is very important. Say, the whole world lives according to this structure, and maybe some of you do as well right now, to say, I need to look inside of myself, express myself, and when I do that, I will live according to my destiny. I will become everything I'm supposed to be when I can finally look inside and be free to be me. The entire world lives according to this structure, this way of thinking. And it's simply not true, and it's blatantly obvious that it's not working out. And I want to present to you a different option this morning, that what if everything you are meant to be, what if your destiny is not found in you, but actually found somewhere else, namely in God? I want to show you from this text, I can't read every verse, but let me tell you, the phrase in him, or through him, or in Christ, or by his blood, in these 14 verses, is mentioned 12 times. 12 times it says, in him, in him. If you just repeat the pattern, one of the things you should do when you're reading the Bible is find repetition, find patterns. And what he says over and over again is, in him. It doesn't even say hardly anything without saying, in him. In him you were chosen. In him you were predestined. In him you were adopted. In him you are redempted. In him you are redeemed. In him you have forgiveness. In him you have an inheritance. By his blood, through Jesus Christ, access to everything you ever wanted and needed is in him, not in you. That's part of the point of this scripture here is that if we are not in Christ, we are not in anything. That is the location, is to be in Him. Jesus is the location of every blessing. He is the location of every purpose. He is the location of every destiny. All things come from and for and exist in Him. This is why He says, the the plan for the fullness of time is to unite everything where? In Him, in Christ. What everything is coming together to this one central place in Christ. This is the destiny of all things, that it would be united in Christ. All things in heaven and on earth. Everything would be judged according to that. So if you are outside of Christ, then your destiny is to be outside of all goodness and things. Because you are outside of the location. Everything gets placed in Christ, in heaven and earth. And we're going to see how do I get in Christ. It's going to be by faith in him and who he is and what he's done for you. But this is where all things are are headed. You say, if I want to be at the center point of all history, I got to find myself in Christ. Because that's where all things have come from. And that's where all things are going. Everything is in him. I mean, look at this. He chose us in him, that we should be blameless before him. This is over and over and over again. In him, we have redemption through his blood. In him, we have an inheritance. I just can't overemphasize this, that everything you're meant to be is not found in you, but in him, in him. And if you're looking for anything outside of him, you will not find the thing you're looking for. Nothing exists of purpose, worth, and value, right, outside of its relation to Jesus Christ. That is where everything is. Jesus is the location of every blessing. Jesus is the place where every promise of God gets fulfilled. You get no promises from God if you don't find yourself in Christ. None of them apply to you if you're not in Jesus because that's where they all get made good, okay? Jesus is the place of every blessing. In him, it says we have redemption, forgiveness, adoption, and inheritance. How? Okay, how do do we 
get redemption, forgiveness, adoption, and inheritance. How do I get these things? And it says here, verse 7, through his blood, through his blood, which he already shed on the cross, which is something that has been done past tense, meaning everything you need has been secured by something that has already been done, not by you, but by someone else. So if you live your entire life trying to secure what you need by what you can do, you'll never get it. But if you rest in what Jesus has already provided for you, you'll have everything you need in him. You see how this works for you? Everything you are meant to be is not found in you, but in him. Therefore, if I make decisions trying to, trying to express myself or trying to live out according to myself or trying to secure my life or find forgiveness or find an inheritance and trying to secure redemption and a, and a meaningful life, if I'm trying to get all of that by myself or securing that with things that I can do, I will live frustrated, depressed, anxious, worried, unsettled, unsure, not confident because I won't have what I need. Because I'm trying to secure it for myself. But what Jesus has done is he has shed his blood, which has taken care of the punishment you and I deserve from God. He has received God's wrath on himself by shedding his blood. And because Christ has secured your forgiveness, you are forgiven when you place yourself where? Say it with me. In him. In him. You don't get forgiven by coming to church. It doesn't work. You don't get forgiven by being a nice person. You don't get forgiven by having more good deeds than bad, which none of us do. You don't get forgiven by being anywhere else, being in proximity to the poor. If you lived your whole life and gave your whole life away, you would not find forgiveness. The only place any human ever gets forgiven is in him. That's where you have to be. If you are not in him, his blood will not cover you. And if his blood does not cover you, you must suffer the wrath of God on yourself forever, which is exactly what I want you to avoid. But I want you to think about how what, what, is, what, has been, what is needed to secure your destiny has already been done. Therefore, there is no need for you to get into control freak mode and try to manipulate your circumstances to maximize your potential. There is no need for you to be frantic about whether you are becoming everything you are meant to be. There is no need for you to be constantly worried about whether life is going to work out according to what you hope. There's no need for that. There's no need for you to be running around frantic, D.C. culture, trying to do this and do that and do this to make sure every avenue of your life works out in the way that you hope. There's no need for you to live like that. Why? Because you can't secure anything for yourself anyways. Everything that you need has already been secured for you in Christ. This is very freeing for you. You've got to find yourself in him, in him. I want to show you what Christ provides for us. So right, it says redemption, forgiveness, adoption, and inheritance. These are four big words for us, and I'm going to summarize it like this. You can write this down. In Christ, I have healing from my past, I have help for my present, and I have hope for my future. Where do I get healing from my past? I don't get that next sitting next to a counselor, which might be helpful. I'm not knocking that at all. That might be helpful, but they're not going to provide it for you. They might be able to help and support once you have it sealed from Christ. But where, where am I going to get healing from my past? Well, certainly not with a bottle. Certainly not in front of that TV. Certainly not from this person. No, 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 no. Where am I going to find healing from my past? You notice how much of the problems and bad decisions you make are coping mechanisms for dealing with your issues. And if you actually lived with real healing, you would find real freedom. Look at this. 
I have redemption through his blood. I have, what is redemption? It is the forgiveness of my sins. My sins that I've done to others, the sins they have done to me. All the issues and hurt that my sins have caused people that bring me shame. And then all the issues and hurt their sins have caused me that bring me pain. All of those things find healing in one place, Jesus. And then everything else you can have in support of that. Obviously, counselors, if there's medicine that helps you, all of that, praise the Lord. You are body and soul, and you should use everything God could possibly give you. But if you don't have Christ, nothing else will work. Nothing else will work. Healing from my past. I get help from my present. How, what is the location for the decisions I should make now? What is the location? Where do I need to get? How do I function in my daily life now? With Jesus Christ, in him, I get help for my present. As I relate and live in him, with him, I get help for my present. And ultimately, I get hope for my future. The hope for my future is not based on my 401k. It's hope for my future is not based on the job security that I have. The hope for my future is not based on the well-being of my body. The hope for my future is not based on my ability to foresee what's going to come. The hope for my future is not found in me or anything I can do for myself. The hope for my future is found in him. And the reason why you're so anxious sometimes is because you still think the hope for your future is found in you. And you're trying to manage your life to get to the proper ending. And that's just not how it works. Now, certainly, as we're going to see, it doesn't mean you're supposed to be passive. You're supposed to be active in what God is doing. But your hope is not in your ability to control or plan or get to the end. Your hope is in Christ. It's in him. Okay? In Christ, I have healing from my past. This sentence alone is enough for you to chew on for a long time. I have healing from my past. I have help from my present. And I have hope for my future. The Bible, the Bible words are redemption, forgiveness, adoption, inheritance. All right, let's talk a little bit more about the hope you have for your future. It says here in verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. 1 Peter 1, 4 describes this inheritance as undefiled, unfading, and imperishable. So it's an inheritance that can't change, not like my money. It's an inheritance that can't be, be faded away, not like my material possessions. It's an inheritance that doesn't get worse over time. It's an inheritance that doesn't fade out in glory. It's an inheritance that only gets better and more and more secure. In Christ, I have this inheritance, and get this. Look, he has given us the Holy Spirit, it says, as a deposit. To say, oh, do you have the ability to buy that house? Sure, here's $100,000. And they think, oh, okay, this person probably has enough financial means to pay the rest of this off. We say, do you have the ability to secure my future? Do you have the ability to forgive all my sins? Do you have the ability to make me uh, be at peace with, with life? Do you have the ability to give me full joy? Do you have the ability to maximize my purpose? Do you have the ability to help me overcome the difficult things in my life? Do you have the ability to give me an eternity of bliss and happiness? How do I know? Well, here's the deposit. It's the Holy Spirit. And if I have the ability to deposit the Holy Spirit in you, then I have the ability to take care of you. This is what Christ is referring to. to say, hey, look, if God is saying, look, I will make good on my promises. How do I know? Here's the Holy Spirit. He's been given to you as a deposit. Now look, once again, this is about what God does. Write this down. The deposit that secures your future is not something you provide for yourself, but something God gives you himself. Okay, the deposit that secures your future, the deposit that guarantees the outcome of your life, 
The deposit that leads you in the way you should go is not something you provide for yourself, but it is something God gives you, which is himself. Okay, It's not something you put down. That's how you make deposits on earth. It's not something you put down, but rather it's something God puts in. And listen, once again, you're spending your whole life trying to put down, trying to deposit, trying to manage your future by managing these circumstances and situations. And then you put your hope in them when all the while the deposit that secured your future has already been given to you. The deposit that needed to be made was not something that could come from you, but something that came to you. The Holy Spirit, which means you need to live more in a posture of receiving. This is why we focus so much on the presence of God to say, I need to be in a position where I remember my need, where I remember his goodness and love to me, where I receive his promise to me and I walk in step with the Holy Spirit. God has secured my future by something that has been done in the past. The location of every blessing is in him. As the song says, it is signed, sealed, and delivered. This is true of you in Christ. Look, look at this as well. Every spiritual blessing, where does it say? Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Where are those? Where's the location of every spiritual blessing? In the heavenly places. If the blessing that you need, every spiritual blessing is located in the heavenly places, then it wouldn't do you well to fix your mind on earthly things. This is why Colossians 3 says to set our minds on things above, not on things below, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Because everything is found in him. So therefore, the more I can become thoughtful on who God is and place my hope in heavenly places, still living on the earth, obviously, got to take care of my earthly responsibilities. But placing my hope in heavenly places, giving more attention and time to heavenly places, I will actually begin to live in the location of every spiritual blessing. And if I look for blessing primarily on this earth, let me caveat real quick, God certainly does bless you. I mean, the fact that you're sitting in this room with with what you need for today is a blessing from God, let alone all the other things that you have. God is certainly blessing you even on this earth. We don't deserve that. But the real, real substantive blessing is in the heavenly places. Therefore, if I spend most of my mental energy on earthly things, I will not enjoy the blessing of everything I have in heaven. It's about location. And this is the location of your hope, the location of your mind. What are you thinking about? Where do you put your hope? Every spiritual blessing is in the heavenly places. And I love as well, it says every, not some. So you will have... Yes, Lord, what do you want to say? Okay. Should I try? There we go. You will have some earthly blessings, but you will always lack some things. But you can have every spiritual blessing without lack. See what I'm So you can focus on your lack of earthly blessings, or you can focus on the fact that you have no lack in spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessing, not some. So it's location, location, location. Listen, let me give you a little idea to help, help you understand this. One time I had ordered from Tropical Smoothie Cafe, okay? I love their acai smoothies, all right? So they're delicious, and it's one of the few healthy things I eat, all right? So it's good. It's good for me. And uh, I went and I ordered from Tropical Smoothie Cafe, and I did it on the app because, you know, that's how you buy anything these days. And so I, I bought it on the app ahead of time, and I drove down to Seven Corners to go pick it up. 
And I walked in, and I was plenty, plenty. Uh, I was behind the time that they said it would be ready. And I walked in, I looked, and I didn't see my thing there, and tried to, you know, summon up all the patience of Christ. And I asked them so kindly, I said, "Where is my smoothie? You know, like it's supposed to be here." And they looked and said, "I'm sorry, sir. Let me check that out." And they're like, "We have no record of your smoothie. Whatever. We don't see anything here. Like, did you, did you, did you um, actually secure the order?" And I'm thinking, there's no way this is my fault, of course. You know, I couldn't have messed this up. It's definitely your fault. But I will take a look, you know. And when I looked on the app, I realized I was at the wrong tropical smoothie location, right? It was actually my fault, and I had to apologize. You know, I said, actually, it was supposed to be the one in Mosaic. So I had ordered from the one in Mosaic, but I went to the one in Seven Corners. All right, listen to me. I had the right order, but I was in the wrong location. So I couldn't get what I needed. And that's how many of us live our life. I have the right order. I need forgiveness, but I'm at the wrong location. I have the right order. I need happiness and joy. I need fulfillment, but I'm at the wrong location. I have the right order. I want intimacy with people, uh, but I'm at the wrong location. I have the right order. I need peace, but I'm at the wrong location. I have the right order. I need blessing. I want purpose. I want to live according to my destiny. I want to know who I am and why I'm here. I got the right order, but sometimes I'm in the wrong location. Because everything that you were made for is found in him. Okay, number two. That was a sermon in and of itself. So maybe we should just stop. When, when uh, where's up? Well, Pastor John, when I sent him the outline, he said, there is no way you're going to get through that much of Ephesians in four months. You know, like, he's like, that should be a year's long. And maybe he was right. Okay, so here we go. Number two, application. Application. Here's the definition of application, which is actually interesting. You have words that you just use all the time. But here, the definition is this, the action of putting something in operation. Okay, here's what I mean by that. So first you have location, where do you need to be? But second, you have application. Well, how do I get there? How does this get done? Okay, great. I need to be in him. I want to fulfill my destiny, and it's in, in Christ. So how do I get there? Well, here's, another, here's the second thing. Everything you are meant to be is not planned by you, but God. So the first thing, everything you are meant to be is not found in you but God. The second thing, everything you were meant to be is not planned by you, but God. So I'm going to show you again, patterns, repetitions. Remember, this is what you should be looking for in the Bible often, repetitions. The, the phrase, according to, through his purpose, by his will, by his choice, he predestined. Any phrase that gives God the credit for acting happens nine times in just these 14 verses. So God is the one putting the plan into motion. Okay? God is the, the, the leader of the story. God is the one who is applying the work. Okay? This is what is happening. So once again, it's not about you and your ability to plan to secure your destiny. It's about what God has planned for you, and he has put his plan in action. All right? So this is the theological principle. Everything you're meant to be is not planned by you, but God. So look at this. This is so fun. All right? Nine times it says what God has done. Guess how many times it says what we do? One. And what do we do? Verse 13. Believe. Nine times. God, before the foundation of the world, according to his purpose, by his will, he chose, he predestined, he forgives. Okay, what am I supposed to do? Believe. That's it? Yes. It's called the gospel. (laughs) This is the good news. 
And if you start by the gospel, you're supposed to live by the gospel. I mean, how amazing is this? God does everything I need. And what does he ask me to do? What is the access point to all the good things God has done for me? How much do I have to serve? How much do I have to give? How can I earn my way? How can I get there? And God says, you can't. And I say, what can I do? What am I supposed to do if you do everything? What am I supposed to do? And he says, you just have to believe. You just have to believe. You just have to believe. Look at this. It says, those who believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. God does this. 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 And what did they do? They believed. Listen to me. The entry point for everything Jesus has done for us is belief. The entry point for eternal life is the same for everyone. It's belief. The access point, listen to me, listen to me, because you live your whole life judging everyone else's access point to the things that you think you would like. And you get upset, jealous, frustrated, and discontent because other people have access to things that you would like. And I want to flatten everything out right now to say the access point to everything you need and want is the same for every human being. It's belief. Nobody around you can get more than you because you both have access to the same thing, Christ. And when you're so busy worrying about everyone else's access point to a relationship or to a job security or to a financial status or to a social status, what you miss is you have the same entry point to everything you've ever needed that they do and you don't have to earn it. It's by belief. The access point is the same, rich or poor, young or old, popular or not, successful or not, from any country in any language. The access point to eternal life is the same for everyone. It's belief. It's the same. It's the same. Listen to me. More money can't buy you a better ticket. More money can't buy you a better ticket. Listen to me. More status can't get you closer to the action. This is how the whole world works around you. Think, well, more money gets me courtside seats and more status gets me closer to this group and makes me feel more important. And Jesus comes to you and says, listen, I have flattened everything in the whole world and the access point, the one door to eternal life and happiness forever and forgiveness of sins and a status as a child of God, the one place I find security in who I am, the one place I can maximize my purpose, the one place I can be safe in It's the same place. It's in him. It's by belief. This is the good news of the gospel. That Jesus died for your sins in your place. That he rose again from the dead by the power of God, not by yours. And now he offers you everything he has done. And he gives it to you as a gift. This is the gospel. God does everything. And what do I do? Believe. Even if you look more deeply at this passage, things it tells us that we should be, like it has the word faithful, is actually a description of who we are by what Christ has done. When it says faithful in Christ, he's not saying, good job, your behavior is excellent. What he is saying is you are in Christ and Christ is faithful. When he says that we should be holy and blameless, he's not telling them that they need to be something they are not. He's telling them that now in Christ, they are holy and blameless and they should live according to who they really are. 
Everything in the Bible, when it tells you to do something, in Christ you already are that something. And the call is not to be, be something you are not. It is to become and live according to who you already are. So even if you were to get totally free in some areas and be totally fruitful in some areas, you can never give yourself the credit. Why? Because you're just living according to what Christ has already bought for you. There's no such thing as a better Christian. No such thing. Zero. Just a Christian. Because we all get there the same. And we all make progress the same way and by the grace of God. Okay, I want to help you out for one second. Those who say, okay, all these big words, predestined. Okay, God does everything. Before the foundation of the world, he chose me. All right. Do I, you know, what is my role in this? Okay, you said believe, but if God sets everything beforehand, then, you know, what is all this? Smoke and mirrors? Like, what does this actually mean? And people have been arguing for thousands and thousands of years about the sovereignty of God and the free will, of, supposedly, of man and people's perspective on, on that and what that looks like for God to be sovereign and for me to have a role in the world. And here's what I want you to do is not get too worried about that, all right? The main point of the passage is not that. But I want to give you, and the main point of the passage is what I just talked about is the gospel. But to help you kind of put things into place. Um, the Bible kind of works like this, right? Even if God planned it, I still must do it. Now, you feel like these are opposites, but they're not. They actually work in tandem. These are two parallel tracks that run forever. That God has sovereignly planned everything from before the foundation of the world. And that when his plans unfold in front of me, I must respond with obedience. God is sovereign over everything, and I am still accountable for my choices. And these two realities go hand in hand, and they run parallel tracks forever. And so if you ever try to bring them together to tie it up and make a nice bow over your theology box, you'll never get it done. You'll never get it done. So you should just glory in the fact that God has set these things in plan for you instead of being miserable in the fact that you don't understand how it all works. You should spend way more time helping other people be responsible to respond to Christ instead of arguing with one another the details of this kind of thing. This kind of stuff drives me crazy. You can argue about it for the rest of your life. You'll never know more about it than you do right now. Come on, I've been to seminary twice. What am I telling you? I don't know. So what are you going to do? Come on. God is sovereign over everything from before the foundation of the world, which is wonderful, right? Because if he wasn't, we'd be in a big hot mess. And if he's not sovereign, I can't take any of his promises. I'm not guaranteed he can bring them to pass. God has to be sovereign. Otherwise, nothing works. Okay? But at the same time, I am accountable for my choices and decisions. I have responsibility to respond. God tells me to believe. And I must respond to God. He tells me to obey. I must respond to God. These two parallel tracks run together. And here's something for you, okay, as your brain starts to twist, to remember this. If you understood everything about how God works and who God is, then you'd be who? God. If you could just map this all out and put it on a whiteboard and explain it all to us, then you'd be God. And I'm pretty sure you're ready to admit you're not God. Right? Anybody want to raise their hand and get struck down right now? No, you don't. You don't want to do that. You're not God. God is sovereign over all things. That's what the Bible teaches. Man is accountable for their choices. That's what the Bible teaches. Parallel tracks. If you try to put them together, you're going to spend your whole life trying to bring things together that don't make sense to you. As opposed to just enjoying the fact that God is sovereign 
and putting in the work because you are responsible. Here's something for you to, just to live when the scriptures unfold for you in ways you don't understand. God has given us enough clarity to live with some mystery. Just Bible reading tip, all right? God has given us enough clarity to live with some mystery. And you could spend your whole life, you could give your whole life to the clear things instead of spending your whole life wondering about the mysterious things. It's absolutely clear. There is enough clarity for us to live with some mystery. God is sovereign. I am responsible. He plans everything ahead of time, and I must respond when his plans unfold in front of me. And these two things work together. The best analogy I could think of, this doesn't really work, but here's a shot at it, is, okay, when I want to take my family to the beach, my family goes according to my will, but the kids still have to get in the car. Okay? Now, what really happens theologically is the kids refuse to get in the car, and, God, and the father grabs the kids and shoves them in the car and says, we're going to the beach. That's what happened to you. You weren't like, yes, Jesus. Jesus was like, you're coming with me. You're coming with me. You're getting in this car right now. You know, you're getting in this car. You're like, no, you're getting in this car. You know, <laughs> that's what Jesus did to you. You weren't like, yes, father, let me get in the car today. You know, you were like, I'm not sure about this. He's like, I'm sure about this. You're getting in the car. Okay. But still, the, that's the best. I've ever now Jim Eric's down. But if you just want some picture, okay, take it or leave it. All right. The kids go to the beach according to my will. It's my plan but they still need to get in the car, right? Everything unfolds according to God's plan, but we still play the role that was designed for us to play. My choices have difference-making power, and God is sovereign in his plans according to that. All right, so we have enough clarity to live with some mystery. All right, now remember, this is good news. It says everything works according to his counsel. Now I think everyone will be ready to admit his counsel better than my counsel, Right? I mean, would you really sit here and look at me and say, I'd rather live according to the plans I have for my own life and my wisdom and my ability to secure my future. He said, I could have God's wisdom, God's ability, God's power to secure my, and his goodness, right? So he's not malicious in it, he's good. To secure my future. Or I could take little old me, you know, my little, 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 little wisdom mixed with all my sin to try to secure my future. Which counsel would you prefer? If you sat in a room with me and God, who would you like to talk to? That's a better question. Say, I, don't, I love Pastor Nate, but I don't need him right now. I'd talk to Jesus, all right? He's right there. Hey, Jesus, tell me what you think. You know, that's what you do. This is what God has laid out for us, his counsel, which goes all the way down to this, okay? If everything worked according to my purpose, I would be on a path of destruction. But if everything works according to God's purpose, I'm on a path of resurrection. This is the good news when you whittle down all the big thinking about God, right? God is sovereign, man is accountable. How do these things work together? Well, if everything worked according to my purpose, I would be on a path of destruction because I'd be accountable for my sinful choices. But if everything works according to God's purpose, I'm on a path of resurrection because he picked me up, he pulled me around, and he set my feet on solid ground. Nobody sings that song and says, I picked myself up, pulled me around, you know, I made a good decision and set my feet on solid ground. What do you say? You picked me up! And I was probably like this, you know? You know? Samuel's on the ground, right? So don't get so confused when you don't understand the finer points of the theology when your everyday lived experience as a Christian tells you the truth. You don't sing a song about how good of a decision you made or how good of a person you are. We don't sing songs like that because we shouldn't. We sing songs about how good God is and how wonderful it is he saved us, all right? Everybody got that? We good on that? Sort of, kind of? Okay. 
Fantastic. Theology class dismissed. And now, uh, last point. Reason. Reason. So you have uh, location, application, and reason. So the location, everything is in Christ. The application is everything is done by God. Everything you are meant to be is planned out by God, not you. Everything you are meant to be is not found in you, but in God. And then finally, everything you are meant to be is not for you, but for God. What's the reason for you fulfilling your destiny is not so that you become some kind of superhero and you're an awesome person. And if you live according to that reason, you will fail because you're not that awesome. We need to live for God because that's the only worthy cause worth living for. You will fulfill your destiny when you live according to your purpose. So look, three times in three important parts of this passage, it says this phrase, to the praise of his glory. So whenever God does all these things, the, the, the ribbon on top of that is to the praise of his glory. You have an inheritance to the praise of his glory. You have been chosen to the praise of his glory, and your sins have been forgiven to the praise of his glory. The reason God does any of these things for you is certainly because he loves you, but the end outcome of this is that he would be praised and honored. The reason is praise, which means everything you're meant to be is not for you, but for God. So when I live for God, I actually live for myself. You see how this works? Why does Jesus say, deny yourself, come up and follow me, and you will find life? He who wants to lose his life, he who loses his life will save it. Why does he say that? Well, because if I look for life in myself, I don't get it. But if I look for life in God, I get it. And if I live for myself, I don't find my purpose in myself. But if I live for God, I get more of who I am. This is how it works, please. So when you let go of something to follow God, you get more in return because he's God. When you live for yourself, you end up frustrated, nervous, unsure, anxious, unsettled, depressed, and struggling. But when you live for God, you find freedom, hope, and victory. Living for God is better for you. Okay? It's better for you. Praising your God is better for you than praising yourself. So the reason is praise. So the text goes like this. We are saved by Christ, and that is sealed by the Holy Spirit. And this is all to the praise of the Father. And that's the summary here. So don't spin the wheel of your destiny. Don't live unsure of your future. And don't rely on your abilities to fulfill and secure your future. But rather turn to Jesus. Because everything you were meant to be is found in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord. Who? I mean, where would we be? Where would we be? And so now, Lord, even as we respond to you, we have nothing to bring but gratitude. We have nothing to bring but belief and trust in you. And so, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. And I pray that those truths would sit deep within our soul and that our lives would be transformed because of who you are for us, not who we are for ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand? Let's respond to the Lord.